0: Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. An interesting week that we have had. We're going to talk about the biggest impact and that's been the conversation that we had midweek with the feds. We'll take a look at inflation, recession. We'll also look at the turn. When are we going to see an economic turnaround? There's some that have an idea going into an election year next year. We'll see how much that all weighs into it. We'll take a look at that and a whole lot more in today's episode.
1: It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small. But we're finding more ways for this little beam to power Nebraska.
0: Well, welcome back to the show. As you can see, joining me today is Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with StoneX. And we want to give a quick shout out and a hope you feel better to Mike Zuzlo with Global Commodity Analytics. Mike was supposed to join us as well today, but lost his voice and is under the weather. And Arlen, you and I were kind of joking. We could have used cue cards for Mike. But um, we wish him well, and he actually will join us here on the one for the final week of December. So let's talk about the Feds. Um, you and I talked about this midweek during the Fontenelle final bell, and it uh, made for some interesting market reactions.
1: Oh, well, it really did. And once again, the market was wrong. It kept thinking that the Fed surely had to pivot its position Um, And with the economy really slowing down, that the Fed would surely start to go more dovish. And once again, the Fed said, no, we can't do that. We can't allow inflation to become ingrained. In the economy. Now part of that's because the Fed was too slow to start reacting. They kept calling inflation transitory for far too long and they failed to recognize what was happening. Now the worry is that they will go too high too long. But that's exactly what they said they're going to do, is that they're going to go higher with their peak interest rate than what the market had been anticipating. And they're going to hold levels there for longer than what the market had anticipated. The market still doesn't believe that they have the stomach to do that. But once again, what the market fears is that the medicine for the inflation disease will be worse than the disease itself. Now, that depends on whether the Fed misapplies the medicine. And that's the big debate because we've not been in exactly this type of a situation created by monetary and fiscal stimulus before. But I would say that when you look at the CPI data, the consumer price index data that came out this week, when you look at the other data, yes, overall inflation is ticking lower. But Wage inflation remains very strong. That's very well ingrained right now. The service sector is highly dependent upon labor, and it continues to see higher rates of inflation right now. And that's what the Fed is looking at, and all they can do to slow that that they don't really want to say – is inflict pain on the economy. That's the only way to bring wage inflation down from a monetary policy standpoint. And so that's what they're doing. And as and how's that impact commodities? As long as the Wall Street is worried about recession, then the trade is convinced. Recession means less demand for commodities. So we need to short it. And they look at supply and demand fundamentals in that light.
0: So is this going to be a short-term thing? Or are we going to see the possibility of another bump the next time
1: they meet? Well, that's that's the big question right now. They meet uh, about every six weeks, and uh, so that's what we have to look forward to going forward. Now, let's keep in mind that stock market is a futures-oriented market. It trades future anticipated uh, news more than it does current events, unless it's a big shock event. So, that sentiment on Wall Street will change when. The trade believes that we have reached or approaching peak interest rates and that the Fed's about ready to stop raising rates because right now its biggest fear is the increase in rates beyond where they currently are. So even if they just say, okay, we're done raising rates, we're not going down, but we're done raising it, when that time comes or when the market anticipates that has come, then they'll start anticipating a healthier economy, and that'll put a whole new light on how they look at supply and demand fundamentals for the commodities.
0: So then I'm curious, I'd seen, and I know a couple other people have talked about it as well, that going into an election year, we don't want inflation. We want to see see a pullback and make things all nice and rosy. Are we going to move towards that direction as we get closer to 24?
1: Yeah, we're going to uh, presidential election next, and those are two-year campaigns, and oh, don't we all love the commercials for two years? Uh, um, So that'll make it real interesting going forward. Now, the Federal Reserve is supposed to be independent and apolitical, and sometimes they try so hard to be apolitical, they become political. So this will be interesting, but right now, both the hawks and the doves seem to be on the same pace. That is a unanimous decision when you look at the dot plot graphic, which where each member puts down on a graphic where they think interest rates will be at the end of 24, at at the end of 23, at the end of 24, at the end of 25, there's vastly different views but they all agree that right now they need to be raising rates. It's just how long they think it'll take for their current action that they've done to really take effect on the economy. That's where they disagree, but their decisions are made on what they think is happening now and how effective it is being right now.
0: So Arlen, what do you see as the the short-term effect that it's going to be having on agriculture?
1: Well, Typically, this time of year between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we tend to see the grain and oilseed prices trend higher. Not big moves, but they tend to trend higher between mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and Christmas. Corn and wheat are going down this year. And one big reason is because fund managers are looking at supply and demand fundamentals through the bearish lens of recession. The exception is the oilseed complex, soybeans. That's because they actually have a little bit of a story now. now We ran into a ceiling this week at 1490 January soybeans because that demand that's currently the story is seen to be short term. China needed some soybeans because they were not able to get what they thought they would from Argentina under their dollars for soybeans program or their pesos for soybeans program. Um, And so they had to come in here and buy more than what they thought they would. That's given us short term demand. Um, and But it's not such that they really have to chase the market. So we have major resistance on the January charts at 1490. Every time we get close to that, the Chinese buyers back off. We break away from it, they come back and buy. And so the uptrending channel is running up against that ceiling. That's been the exception. Otherwise the grain and oil seeds are trading this recession idea. And it's probably gonna continue on for a little while longer.
0: So what's it gonna take? Everybody wants to see better days ahead. What's it gonna to take to turn this economic picture
1: around? Well, unfortunately we have to get inflation under control before we can jumpstart the economy once again. Now, one of the keys that's related to this is gonna be China. And China finally, you know, they've been seeing problems with their economy for most of this past year because of their dynamic zero COVID policy. And the new variants of COVID were becoming so hard for them to control. But also the good news is that they were very, less and less lethal, fewer and fewer people dying from it, that they finally had no choice and the social unrest was getting great enough that they totally opened up this month. And so it, the the virus is moving through the country right now. China no longer calls it a deadly virus. They're calling it a a a mild coronary cold is what they're calling it now. And so not only are they allowing people to travel wherever they want without testing, they're almost encouraging it. And they hope to be back. It's moving through the population so fast that they hope to have air travel back to pre-pandemic levels the 2019 levels by the end of January. And so they're expecting a big comeback. What does that mean? Once they get herd immunity, and we're talking weeks rather than months here probably, that means China's economy can explode. That can really see some growth there. That's good for commodity demand, and it's good overall for the global economy as well because our economies are all tied together. So that'll be a positive, even with the inflation continuing to be an issue here. Uh, if China is able to get past that point, the next few weeks are going to be pretty rough for it, but if they can get past that, and right now the death rate is still only about one-tenth of a percent, which is equal to what we get from the seasonal flu, um, if they can, get, can maintain this, then that'll be a big jolt to help our economy and demand for commodities as well.
0: Which is good on the long-term perspective as well.
1: It really is. And I think that's a real positive. The energy market is going to be particularly interesting to watch. And that has implications for the biofuels, uh, which, which corn and soybeans as well. Right now, we're seeing crude oil prices at one year lows, essentially, because of recession fears. And so Over the past year, we've been able to increase shale oil production in the United States by taking wells that had started before the pandemic but not finished and going ahead and finishing them. Well, now we've finished most of those. Um, so where do we get their next increase in production? It's gonna take investment. And with the current administration's war on fossil fuels, we're not getting that investment money. So it's gonna be very hard to go the next level of production here in the United States. OPEC has already found with their reductions, it's very hard to bring their production back online as well. When China reopens here, once they get past they get herd immunity, Uh, It's estimated their demand will go up by 1 million barrels per day. That's going to have to come from somewhere. The growth, recovering the global economy is going to bring that demand back. And we could very rapidly take energy prices right back up. And that's good for the biofuels.
0: All right. In a 20-second nugget, ethanol, electric cars. There's been a lot of social media chatter about it.
1: Oh, there really has. And when we look at ethanol production right now, the corn use is pretty much right on pace needed to hit USDA's target. And if it continues on this path, it's eliminated a deficit. I think we'll probably exceed USDA's uh, target in moving forward. And I think domestic demand remains very strong for corn right now. Uh, With the short crop we needed to ration, we did that with exports that allowed the domestic industry to stay strong.
0: Well, thanks for joining us this week, Arlen. Arlen Suderman, join us for this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.